We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here with you today. And as always on Thursday, Jeffrey Wright joining us. We'll talk some college football, some Wright stuff. We'll talk uh, about broadcast rights, not Jeffrey Wright stuff. Broadcast rights. We'll uh, talk about some expansion, some uh, questions for the 2023 football season and beyond. Also hit on... Uh, a wager last night and some soccer and much more coming up on today's show. A show brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You know about the lunch specials, the ribs, the homemade donuts in Brookhaven and Clinton. And uh, companion stores, the uh, crystals in multiple locations. This Sunday, they are doing ice cream day. That's in Oxford. That's in Brookhaven, Byram, Gluckstadt, and Sotillo. 11 to 5 on Sunday, $1 ice cream. So take advantage of that. Stop into a crystal's. Conquer your sweet tooth there with some ice cream again. 11 to 5 at all those different locations from the Oxford Crystal and the other Crystal locations around Mississippi we just named. Also coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900. Amory, Mississippi, Highway 25 South. Corey wants to be your car guy, wants to be your truck guy, and he will take care of you. So let Corey help you wherever you are in the car buying process. Again, that's 662-257-1900. And then Jeffrey Wright joining us momentarily on the My Perfect Franchise Hotline. Jeffrey Wright now joining us as he does every single Thursday. Jeffrey, we got some college football, got some college sports stuff to talk. I saw though last night you uh, took a little wager on uh, Panama minus the half there. Panama eliminating eliminating the uh, U.S. in the semifinals. You, uh, I'm assuming that's one of those July 12th. I just need something to get the blood pumping a little bit. And then to both you guys who follow soccer much more than I do, I know it's the B team. And I've been knowing that the entire tournament. So in a lot of ways, why do I care? The Athletic told me this morning that it was a choke job. I don't really understand if it's not our better players anyway. Um, you assumed correctly. Okay, that was the enough. that was the classic. I don't want to watch the ESPYS. So <laughs> uh, give me anything else. And I was like, okay, there's some Gold Cup soccer on. Uh, I may or may not have texted uh, someone that's related to this program and been like. Um, I, I got I gotta have some action. Like I need something. I, like this is this is terrible. This the, these 
these next two weeks are some of the worst for sports fans. Like we, it's just, just awful. And especially when your baseball team sucks. And so it's like, I can't even depend on, you know, flipping on the Cardinals just to like entertain me or just like get me through the night. So originally I was like, all right, is there a way that I could like parlay the U S and Mexico advancing? And there wasn't. So then you had to take the U S to win in regulation and Mexico to win in regulation. And my gambling buddy is like, you know, we've kind of been playing like ass and I've actually watched this tournament and he was like uh, that. That was all the motivation I needed. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really believe in that anyway. So then we started thinking, it's like, OK, what can we count on? And the only thing that we could count on, because Chase is right, like we we we're sending young guys like the, they just they're not caring about it. But Matt Turner is a legitimately elite goalie. And I was like, uh, we, we can kind of depend on him. And he's like, you want to? You want to get real saucy with me? The over under the team total over under was half a goal for Panama. He's like, how about under? And it had plus 120 odds. So if you want, if you want to get ready for college football in a hurry, go take under half a goal in the gold cup. (laughs) Without the best players. Without the best players. (laughs) Neil, the first, the, the kickoff, the opening kickoff, the Team USA like ran like an inbounds play. Like they had like this opening kickoff and they've got like a free streaker running down the side. He hits the post, but like it, there was every time the ball would cross midfield and Panama had possession, like you were alive. That is a bet. That bet was amazing. And then the last, the last like 10 to 15 minutes of actual game action got so chaotic uh and for the record this the, the bet is only during regulation and stoppage time so not extra time that doesn't count but that last like 10 to 15 minutes of regulation where panama has a goal that's taken back for offsides but maybe there was a handball like balls just flying all, like around i haven't been that alive since like taking an under in a college football game like 35 points Go ahead, I was about to say, what, what it reminds you you're of is like dead. the Iowa Purdue under 28 or something. Correct. Where it's like, hey, and, we're just we're, we're just hanging out here. And it's Iowa Purdue and everyone's like, well, dude, you're fine. Like, neither team's going to score. It's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. These There's bad quarterbacks on the field. Pick sixes can happen. Like, fumbles can happen. And, and so you were just alive that entire second half. And that was, uh, that got me through the night. But uh, in terms of why you should care, I, I can't pretend like wh- to me, that's going to be like one of the interesting things. I, this whole NBA in season tournament, like to me, when everyone's like, well, is this going to work? And then you get some people like, eh, I don't know. It could be something else to watch. It all boils down to one thing and one thing only. If we watch the games and you can tell that there's a different level of intensity than what we're yep. used to seeing in November and December basketball, then it's going to work. But it's the same thing. Like, you can't trick us into caring about something that we can tell you don't really care about. Because if if the U.S. national team cared about it, they would have other guys there. Yeah, I felt like it was not even really anything to do with development of the team or caring for the future as much as just, like, kind of keeping the momentum going because they've had a pretty good run here. And, like, if you had the casual fan who's suddenly clued in, you know what I mean? 
they don't really know what they're watching. So they see the loss to Panama and go, ah, okay, whatever. That, there, there it is what it is. Whereas they really kind of picked up the pace on just kind of positive momentum here as they, they do the coaching change. They've got a little break. I don't think they're even back in a friendly until September. No, I mean, I, I got the sense that it's like Marshawn Lynch. Like, I don't know what the CONCACAF rules are, but it seemed to me like they're there because they have to be there. Like there's a television commitment. Like Team USA was committed to playing, and that's the only reason that they're there. Yeah, and the good players are on this little bit of a break before they go to their European teams and stuff. And and it didn't help that the World Cup last year was in November. And so right. dudes are tired. Yeah. So why the goalie? Yeah, I'm, I'm not begrudge. I'm not begrudging the Gold Cups here. The Gold Cup is like a tune-up for the like they're trying to they're trying to get logistically. Because, you know, the U.S. is going to be the U.S. and Canada and Mexico and wherever North America is hosting the next World Cup. So this is like a tune up to try and see logistically how they're going to, you know, retrofit these stadiums and, and kind of get all that going. Why did the goalie have to play? I think that's just who he is. Okay. Yeah, I think he's just a badass. He's he's awesome. He's everything you want in your like he's everything you want in a player that you root for. Yep. Uh, Because like he's just like. Like in the end, they let a goal go because he was trying to do too much. Like he came out basically to like midfield to try to stop the ball. And it's like, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you, no, no. And that's like how they gave up the goal. Also, you know, Arsenal, he, he plays for Arsenal, but Arsenal has like another elite goalie. I'm sure this is also like, hey, like I just want to get out and like, I, I want to get some reps. I want to play. But mainly, I, I think it really boils down to like, he's just that dude. It's like, hey, our, my team's playing. I'm playing. Yeah. Shift to uh to football. We were talking before we started the show. Um, we're in that nice July period of nothing really going on, but you know, expansion, realignment, all that kind of stuff. You yeah, obviously did not watch the NBA Summer League last night because two days fun. in a row you have pepped up the NBA Summer League is the uh the great spectacle of entertainment. Even Jeffrey didn't watch it last night. Look, okay. if 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 Usman Jang is going to be that Usman Jang. My boys are arriving sooner rather than later. I have noticed that summer league for me is a lot like the NFL draft in the sense, though, like I'm going to watch the NFL draft no matter what. And I've been casually watching summer league like the Grizzlies played during my show yesterday. So like I had it on my laptop and, you know, you want to be familiar with it. But I noticed that I care about summer league a lot more when my team sucks same in the same way that when the giants are two and seven, okay, well, what's the only thing I can look forward to? It's the draft. So I'm way more into the draft. Well, this year, the giants actually like won a playoff game and they were a decent team. I was less locked into pre-draft run-up. Like I wasn't looking at draft stuff in October. And to me, it's the same thing with summer league. When you know, your team is going to be a playoff team and really all the guys are doing is maybe playing for one spot, perhaps two in the rotation. It's tough to talk yourself into summer league, but if you're someone like Neil, where you're, you know, the future is what you're interested in. Like I get watching summer league, like two or three years ago, summer league was a lot of fun for me. Carson last night was over at somebody's house. They were watching the game and he, he texts me. He goes, we're playing really good. 
I love this team. These casuals I'm watching with are finding out how good Chet is. Oh, God. And then, and then Usman Jang goes off and he texts me, holy shit, we're going to win a title. <laughs> He's going to fortune to the swear job. <laughs> I will say this, uh, and then we'll stop. I, they were playing the Pacers, and the Pacers, the, the tallest dude, I think, was Jairus Walker. But everybody better be careful just handing the a rookie of the year award to Victor Wimbanyama because if 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 Holmgren's that dude, he's he's gonna he's gonna be he's a beast. Well, he has a decided advantage also in that while it's gonna be his first NBA experience, yeah, he's had a year in an NBA development program. Like he's gonna be ahead, and I also think the Spurs are gonna be a the Spurs are going to be pretty protective of Wimbanyama. Um, the other, but Neil is Neil did touch on something that I do find hilarious about summer league. It is kind of the NBA equivalent of going to like watching a high school basketball tournament, and that you'll see some teams that when they are on the floor, like they've got like someone that looks like a point guard, someone that looks like a two guard, someone that looks like a three, someone that looks like a four, and then someone that looks like a five, and then you'll just see these other teams that throw out like five guys out there and no one's taller than six, six. And it's just yeah. like, it's kind of like funny to watch. Like it, it's, it, they, t- they told us to play. So we're here. I mean, right. here's, here's some dudes. And then correct. you see, then you see teams that are kind of doing, that are playing with a little bit of purpose. Like yes. the thunder are definitely one of those teams this year that they, they obviously have decisions to make. And so they're, they're putting guys out on the floor so that they can start to, to evaluate uh, decisions that are, that are forthcoming. I mean, they, they're, they're like, they're that team. And we did a, by the way, we taped a podcast. It's up where you listen to podcast. If you want a bunch of NBA summer league and NBA talk, uh, Weldon and I did a podcast yesterday. Um, but, but they're that team that um, they know they're not winning it. When I say winning it, they're not finishing in the top four in the West next year. They know that, but they're starting to feel like, Hey, we got the pieces. We might be able to do this in two or three years. And so they're, they're looking at, they're looking at their guys and, and, they're playing with kind of some purpose. And the one thing I'll give Presti and you and I've talked about this, Jeffrey, Sam Presti, the general manager of the thunder is that dude just doesn't make many draft mistakes. And you start looking at the guys that they draft and you're like, damn, he makes a ton of sense. Like Keontae Johnson last night, who's a fantastic story, but beyond the story, Keontae Johnson's a pretty good player and they've got him on a two way deal. And you look at him and you're like, I think he could play in the NBA. No, I mean, to your point, the most exciting thing for me, during summer league is the Grizzlies in their second with their second round flyer took Gigi Jackson, yeah. the South Carolina kid that was, you know, highly coveted, but you know, had some, had some character issues maybe, which to me, second round NBA picks are a lot. Like if I'm drafting in defense, if you don't have characteristics, I have a problem. Like I've got red flags because you're taking a flyer anyway. Why not take the guy that has all the makings of being an NBA guy, but he's falling to the second round for a reason. And Gigi Jackson has, like, am I willing to say like this guy's going to be, you know, a 10 year NBA vet? No, but I can definitely see where you look at it. Like, oh, that guy could be an NBA player. And like, that's what you want in the second round. You know, Ole Miss played South Carolina in the, the Wednesday night game in Nashville back in March. And there's no media there because there's whatever. And, I was down there and had a great seat right by the court, which is one of the fun things. And you watch him play. That dude is twitchy. He is springy. I mean, he is athletic off the charts. 
Yeah, I mean, he a little undisciplined and had some attitudinal issues and stuff like that. But I'll go further. If you tell me that he's not an NBA vet for 10 years, I'm more surprised than I am if you tell me he is. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I just look at it. It's like you can see you can see why he was an elite prospect. And it also makes sense for, to me, it makes sense. Like, okay, why was there some, why was there attitude issues? Well, South Carolina needed him a lot more than he needed South Carolina. And, you know, tails all the time. 18 years old. I mean, go send him to South Haven for a year and see what he is. Like, uh, yeah. that's, that's totally fine with me. Uh, I need I you could, to ask. I could see him being a, I could see him being a depth piece a year from now. Easy. I need you to ask Weldon a question for me. What is what happens to Weldon's heart rate when Zion gets a microphone? We talked a lot about Zion on the podcast that's out today. So Chase, how much did you love, you know, all all of us at certain times have stepped on a scale and seen a, a number that was horrifying. But <laughs> is there anything more relatable than Instead of talking about what you're doing to diet and lose weight, then, you know, I've been doing some, uh, been doing a lot of like flexibility stuff been doing some J bands, like resistance bands. All, I, I think that's, what's going to, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about the number that's on the scale. I'm, I'm worried about being fit. Like yeah, he, that, he is, he is, he is, he is still very much in the, I can outrun the bad diet phase of the, uh, oh, the transformation, which is, it's not a good I, place to be. I said this, I feel like we are one interview away from Zion talking about a fad diet. Like, I don't know what the, the latest fad diet is. Like I always just come back to like Zion is like, I, and I said this, like Zion needs to get that Nutrisystem deal. Like remember when Mike Golick and like all those guys would do the, I lost 67 pounds eating Nutrisystem. Like, I feel like that's kind of where like the Pelicans need to steer Zion. Like, Hey, we got you this great ad deal. I go with them. See, he's not even disciplined enough for those kind of things. If he, if he brings one of those up, it's like dirty keto, where he's like, "Oh no, 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 just gonna eat all the meats," but it's like all the fried food because he's in New Orleans. We're just we're we're, we're gonna do we're, we're we're gonna do all the bad versions of the of the protein diet. I don't <laughs> doubt. I don't doubt that Zion would would be disciplined and stick to the Nutrisystem. I just think that instead of having one Nutrisystem dinner, he'd have four. Yeah, because yeah, he's like, I'm still hungry. Because that was the other thing that was great. Um, I think way too many. Uh, athletes have podcasts right now, but I will say this. I'm actually glad that Gilbert Arenas has a podcast because Gilbert Arenas is the one guy that does not care. Like he straight up just asked him. He's like, you're 22. Like how hard is it to diet? And so Zion kind of takes it like, uh, well, you know, like all the things that are going on in my life. No, he's like, he's like, literally if you're 22 and you can't like get in shape, he's like, I felt like he was like trying to remind us like this doesn't get easier, buddy. Like in mm. that, that was, that was just laugh out loud. Funny to me. So Neil, I'll let you go ahead. I won't even like bury the lead a little bit. Big 12 trying to figure out where they're headed, what they're doing. You think maybe one of the worst football programs in America could be joining that conference. I do. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of buzz and a lot of reason to believe that it's more than buzz regarding um, UConn. Joining the Big 12, I think UConn is super interested in joining the Big 12. I think the Big 12 is interested in UConn joining. I think the Big 12, I'm going to give them credit. The Big 12 is the most self-aware league out there right now. They know the score. They know they're not going to be number one. They know they're not going to be number two. 
They are literally just trying to make sure that they have a seat at the table. That's it. They're, they, they know, they understand their role. They are, they know Texas is leaving. They know Oklahoma is leaving. In fact, they're ready for them to leave. Um, they're adding these schools this year coming up. They're kind of embracing the newness and they know that when Texas and, and OU leave that they've got to figure out a new identity and they, they are, I think going to steer into, Hey, you know what? We'll never be dominant on the football scene ever, but we've got a chance to be something in basketball with, you know, Kansas and Baylor and all those kinds of programs. And if you add UConn, you add a elite basketball program, blue blood, elite basketball program. And you get up in a new part of the country with the footprint and all of that stuff. And UConn seems to be super eager. And I know Jeffrey thinks this might be a leverage play and he might very well be right. But what I'm hearing is that UConn is super serious about this and that this could be something that happens sooner rather than later. Okay. So to be clear, I am just as capable of being wrong as Neil is. These are the complications with UConn that I have been told. The administration would like to go to the Big 12 tomorrow because from what I've been told, from exiting from the payments they had to give to the American for leaving and for the decline of football, they are very cash broke. And this would be an influx of cash that they would need that the administration basically would say, like, they would go tomorrow. The problem that UConn has is all of the money people really like what has happened. They they like the Big East, even though, you know, it's even though it's not their Big East, it's still they like the league way more. They don't really care about football. And, you know, they're you saw last year they won a national title. They feel like they feel like the move has been good for them. So when people ask what's the leverage play that I'd be referring to, the Big East TV deal is also coming up. And I still lean towards, I think that this is an attempt by UConn to get a better deal out of the Big East because the Big East basically does what the SEC and what the Big Ten do. It's it's not really favored nations like, some teams make a little bit more, but oftentimes that's just because of how far they went in the tournament and uh, other bonuses. But for the most part, it's like, all right, here's the TV money. We split it up equally. I think they're trying to get a better deal from the Big East. The problem with that is the Big East, you know, no one really knows what that package is going to come valued in at because the key point is they don't have football. So so if you're your mark, I think it makes all the sense in the world. I'm just more curious of how I'm more curious of how serious of a candidate UConn is. Excuse me. I'm more curious about how seriously UConn really wants to go to the big 12. Cause I do think Neil's hundred percent, right? I think the administration wants to leave like tomorrow. Yeah. The administration there looks at this, looks at the landscape. And if you, if you're forward, if you're forward thinking and most everybody is right now, you know that all these deals are coming up. We're about to go through this 2023 season of nostalgia, right? And then we're going to get to 2024 and things get real in 2024 because it's going to be a brand new landscape. 
You're going to have, obviously, the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma. You're going to have the Big Ten with um, USC and UCLA and their new TV package that goes into place with the Big Ten Saturday night game that has created some ripples up there with teams like Ohio State going, we don't want to play at night in November. And Fox saying, well, we're paying you to play at night in November, so figure it out. And you're going to have all that, and everyone's going to be staring at these numbers. And the Big 12, to its credit, like I said, I just think they're super self-aware as to where they are, and they want to make sure that they solidify themselves as number three. And if they think UConn helps them in that regard, they're going to extend an invitation. And I don't know how UConn looks at that and says, all right, that's probably a guarantee of what, 35, 36 million a year? Yeah, somewhere in that area. I don't know that they can get that from the Big East contract. They can't, but they would view it as if they can get, because, you know, with the Big East, they can actually go back to the good old days of selling like women's basketball, like all their mm-hmm. other rights. And so that, and then, you know, you, you make football essentially just be like a, all right, you're going to go play to get a check somewhere, you know, and, and take your L's. I think. So the other thing that was interesting yesterday, we got a lot of Brett Yormark and I'm not sure how I feel about like all the walk-in talks that he's doing, but I do think one thing is like undeniable. This is not a guy cut from the college athletic establishment. Bingo. And I think to Neil's point, he kind of referenced it yesterday when talking about expansion, we've talked about it. If you can go and get, the big brands like the SEC and the Big Ten can do, like you just go and you do that. But he's to Neil's point, he's not in that position where he can just go pick off, you know, other big brands and and, and strengthen his position that way. So it seems to me he believes the way that he strengthens the Big 12's position is strength in numbers. And I don't ignore that because I think what he's saying is listen, if this is all going to mega conferences, we've got to have, you know, 20 teams or whatever, you know, 16, 20 teams, because if we start contracting in college football and college basketball, well, they can't kick out, you know, if there's only going to be like or 65 teams at some point playing D1, what we think of as, you know, FBS football, like they can't kick out a third of the, they can't kick out a third of us. So we got to have, you know, this is a, survival technique the problem is his presidents are still cut from the world of college athletics and in the end like he can go and try to make deals but they have to sign off on it and convincing them is going to be another story so that's kind of what i think is most fascinating because okay his other his other big deal that he wants to do is during the next television agreement he wants to spin off basketball. So when you hear, like, why are they chasing Gonzaga and UConn? Well, they're chasing Gonzaga and UConn because on that next TV deal, like, they want to sell, like, we're going to have the best college basketball league and college basketball get, can give you, I don't know what, each team plays 31 games. I mean, what, you get uh, three times the inventory that you would get from college football. And so, like, yep. that's, that's going to be kind of the, the selling point but I think the bigger issue for, that he has is convincing the presidents that, hey, this, you know, we can all agree, like, his strategy makes sense. 
but convincing university presidents who've done things a certain way for their entire existence, that's going to be a whole nother matter. Yeah, agreed. That's why I'm, I'm curious to see how what the Big 12 sort of looks like in 2024. And when they look at it, do they go, hey, this 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 is not it's not really all that sexy. We need to fix it. Or do they look at it and go, hey, we're good. Let's just let's just do this for a little while. And I don't know the answer to that. But the other thing that's kind of out there just among like athletic administrator type people is no one's really paying a lot of attention to what the numbers look like this year in TV and streaming and stuff, because this is, again, this is that last year of an old system. It's, it's, don't get me wrong. Fans are going to get super jacked and all that stuff. And we're going to cover the hell out of it and all that stuff that we do, but sort of inside everybody's like, I'm kind of really anxious to get to 2024 and see what it looks like, because it's going to be a completely different landscape with a, a 12 team playoff. And, the, the regular season losses might not be as devastating as they are. The, the fan fan involvement in games in November between eight and two teams might have a lot more meaning than it did in the current system. Where, hey, you're in the big, you're in the Big Twelve. You've already lost twice. You're not making the playoff. No chance, right? You're in the Pac-12. You've you've lost twice. You're not making the playoff. It's over. The game's kind of you deciding who gets to go to the Holiday Bowl. Well, now those those scenarios could be completely different. You know, you're eight and two playing an eight and two team, and the winner winner's got a real shot at ten and two, and ten and two's got a real shot at the eleven seed. You know, in the tournament. So, what will that do to ratings? Uh, what will that do to uh, the possibility of renegotiating TV contracts with further expansion? There's a lot of that kind of thing that's that's coming in 2024 because you're going to get real numbers uh, if you're. Fox, CBS, ESPN, all that stuff. You're going to get real numbers in 2024 that I think you can look at and go, okay, well, this is what the landscape looks like. This is what we're working with, or this is what we're not working with. No, it seems to me college sports this year's got a kind of a case of senioritis. Like they've got the good job lined up for yeah. next year, and all they have to do is graduate. Like, you know, your boss has told you, like, hey, man, you don't have to have straight A's this final semester. So, like, you know, but be ready to go. Hey, be ready to go June one. You know, well, what I mean? every, like, yeah, every fan base, right? In the, in the SEC, in the Big Ten, when, when things go south early, oh, yeah. go, that's all right. We're, we're, we're building for 2024. Yeah, that's, no, we know that. That's, that's the way. It's just like in COVID when we said, like, we're, no one's going to get fired this year. Like, we're just, we're just so uh, excited to have football back. Like, we're going to keep, we're going to keep everything in perspective. And we realized, like, it's just about having, having these sports being back. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. Drastic Will Muschamp says hello. <laughs> yes. Well, no, that's what, that's what I was laughing. Like literally it was like once a game kicked off, like people were ready to fire people. The, the ESPN Fox, whatever the broadcast rights part of this is what is fascinating. Cause it's what we were talking about. What you're alluding to here is these numbers in 24. I mean, isn't it just going to be somewhere in the middle? I mean, the odds that it drives up and every game is followed, like can't miss, and it's this incredible thing that everybody's just jonesing for in every way. Well, I mean, that's probably not true. But at the same time, college sports and, and football and whatever in the fall gives you more consistent numbers than anything else by far. So, I mean, maybe you're overpaying for some extent to the consistency that you're going to get. But at the same time, I have a hard time believing the numbers are going to be so outlandish to actually justify a lot of these things. I mean, it's the it's the root and tree analogy that I still wonder about is, you know, you, you watch 7,000 people being laid off from Disney and ESPN and all this stuff and whatnot. I mean, it, it, 
aren't you at least a little concerned if you're in athletic departments about the tail end or the middle parts of these contracts on the broadcast partners simply having the money or the desire to pay you these amounts of money? Take a break in the podcast, tell you about Prime Shrimp. You can get seven different flavors delivered directly to your door. A couple of my favorites, the Signature, the New Orleans-style barbecue. They're great for salads. They're great for lunches, quick snacks, or even dinner to feed your family. The summer's pretty busy, so let Prime Shrimp take care of you. Again, with all those different flavors, spew within 10 minutes, freezer to plate, and you get restaurant-quality shrimp. They also offer the uh, two-pound bags of individually frozen shrimp, a lot like was at the grocery store, except a higher-quality shrimp from the New Orleans-based company. They're also available in Rouse's Markets if you have one of those nearby. But if you need them mailed to you, we can help you out. You buy five pouches or more and use code RG, and you get 25% off. That's code RG, 25% off, primeshrimp.com. Summer is here, and Heavenly Sunshine Property would like to take the opportunity to remind you about the importance of taking care of your outdoor living spaces. Regular maintenance is key to preserving the beauty and integrity of your home or business, and one of the most effective ways to maintain is through power washing. Some of the key benefits include increased curb appeal, damage prevention, creating a healthier environment. It also saves you time and money. They've been serving the Mid-South and Oxford for over four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact Heavenly Sunshine today and get ready to enjoy a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. HeavenlySunshine.com or 662-342-1203. You get a free estimate. You can book that today. You can use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Podcast also brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's N-E-Spark.com, 662-238-3159. Get the best internet in Lafayette County, also parts of Union and Pontotoc counties for those who previously did not have internet. And then last but definitely not least, GNM Pharmacy 662-236-2222. They're right there on South Lamar in Oxford. They're my pharmacy. They deliver stuff to me every day. They do that for free. Free local delivery with GNM. Take care of all your pharmaceutical needs. They even help you transfer your medications. If you're using one of those big box pharmacies that doesn't care about you, switch to GNM. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. Done, simple, easy with GNM in Oxford or Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Again, that's 662-236-2222. So I think, I think the answer is yes, because it does seem to me, it seems to me that a lot of TV executives, they all realize like, okay, the only thing people are watching regularly and watching live is live sports. And so there's value there because you can sell ads, whatnot. But because of that, they started gobbling up live sports rights. And then a lot of them wound up like. To me, it was like it was like the crypto craze of like a couple of years ago where like you wind up like having some Dogecoin when you thought you were getting like Bitcoin. And so now everyone's sitting around thinking, all right, is, is this worth it? I still think. I still think the live sports rights are going to be valuable only because it's still always going to appeal to males 18 to 49. And that's your number one demo in terms of, of selling ads. I think the bigger problem is trying to figure out if I could get an answer of, okay, what is ESPN doing? All right. We know they, they laid off. We know that they laid off people and the stated goal this time was, 
we were going to lay off big name camera people on camera people in order to save a lot more behind the scenes people. Okay, I can kind of buy that. But at the same time, like at the same time, I keep hearing, hey, ESPN is going to release their their first financials, you know, their first earnings report in November, and the numbers are going to be really good. So if that's the case is like, is this, is this all about Disney needing to fix their stock price? So they need ESPN to get it in order to make their bottom line look better. Or is Disney trying to begin the process of selling ESPN? Cause that's what you would do. You would gut, you know, you would gut a lot, a lot of salary, uh, especially like a lot of like big name salary. That's what you would do if you're going to sell it off. Because all of these teams, like all of these sports, uh, all these TV executives are all going to bid on the NBA with the exception of Fox, it appears. Because NBC wants back in. We know ESPN's going to bid on it. Turner's going to bid. I guess maybe CBS is probably not. But I do think maybe, I think what TV executives are trying to put out in the negotiating circles is that, hey, this gravy train of just us throwing cash at you, like those days are gone. I still think, though, that that's a, that's a negotiating ploy by TV people because it still comes down to the simple fact for me. It's like, what is the only thing that people watch frequently and live and it's sports? And that is not going away. No, it's... it's but where's frank- the line on my ability to grossly overpay for it? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Uh, I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Because the Big Ten is going to pay UCLA a lot of money. I don't actually buy that UCLA increases people watching the Big Ten whatsoever. Yes, $64 million and potentially rising. Yeah, I, I, I don't buy it. USC so I, maybe, because there are schools that absolutely change the numbers and dials, and there's a reason why – those few schools have, have are, are you know are the ones that have the most watched games no matter what and all that stuff. I, I get it, but UCLA is not one of those. 
So if you're just no. trying to make the most eyes on your thing, you you you're overpaying. It doesn't make sense. No, I agree. But I also I viewed UCLA as UCLA was the cost of doing business. Like you had to take UCLA to get USC. And but USC is worth 128 then. Potentially, you know, you do also get LA like it. it, I also think that perhaps that was like the beginning of them having like their West Coast division, but they weren't going to take like those are the only two teams that they were going to be willing. The only two schools they were going to be willing to take without having like UCLA and USC are not going to have to buy their way in. It seems likely that if, you know, if if things go a certain way, like Washington and Oregon could perhaps go to the Big Ten, but they'd have to buy their way in. And so, like, I, I think you you do it that way. But I mean. I don't know. I mean, I think it's very difficult. How do you determine a metric of like. Like we can we can assign values to sports franchises. I just don't know how you do it with college sports. Yeah, I guess from a right standpoint, my, my, my thought on that was I think conferences carry a certain amount of viewers and weight. I think obviously having a name opponent in a game carries a certain number of weight. Implications carry an, an amount of weight. Time slot yeah, does. Sure. But if UCLA plays USC and it has the exact same viewers, then when you see USC in the same situation plays Purdue, then what difference does it make that you added to that, that team? You know what I mean? I think that there's a lot of teams that are simply just there in the middle that if they're playing a primary opponent or not, the, the numbers are the same. So you had no use in adding that from a strictly monetary TV rights situation. And I get yeah. that's oversimplification. I'm just. I don't know. I guess I just think of it in terms of like, you know, we see it in professional sports like Mem- the Grizzlies are having to go through it. The Grizzlies are going to have to do a massive renovation of FedEx Forum. Like, you know, mm-hmm. something in the five to $600 million range. Oh, wow. Well, it's like you sit there and you go like, is that worth it to the city? It's like, if you do, if you do like an economic study, it's probably like, it's probably going to be the answer is no. But the question then becomes is, do you want the Grizzlies? Like, and we can debate whether or not like this is a fair system in that like these billionaires essentially make these, you know, local governments essentially pay for these arenas and like that's another discussion but it really boils down to like do you want the grizzlies if the answer is yes then it's like well then you have to do this i think the big 10 was in the same position did they want usc yes what was it going to take they had to take ucla and i also think there's enough big 10 people that like the idea of going and playing in the rose bowl like i think we we can't we can't ignore that. Like there is like a romantic nature for their fan bases mm-hmm. of going and playing games at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, no, from a Big Ten standpoint, I completely get it. It was more from the ESPN side of I'm paying on hold on. I'm paying that amount for what? Well, I mean, there's a reason why ESPN's not paying for them. Yeah. There's a great story in the athletic today about Notre Dame and what it's going to do. Does it does it get sixty million dollars a year from NBC? Is that worth it to NBC? Is it worth it to Notre Dame? Is it in Notre Dame's best interest to go to the Big Ten? I mean, and everyone admits Notre Dame's like the big whale, that everyone's watching to see what they do. If, if there's another round of expansion, it's only after Notre Dame makes a decision involving its TV deal or its future. Also, and the comfy nature of the Big Ten and the in, in NBC partnering up. Well, and also, but so you're not really changing anything. Don't forget who Notre Dame just hired as their athletic director. Yeah, the former NBC exec. NBC Sports. Yep. That didn't feel coincidental to me. No, it feels like 
this and this story sort of indicates that the the road to a a deal where they stay independent and get sixty million dollars a year and play that two thirty NBC game that's going to lead into the NBC Sunday night Saturday night Big Ten game, which yeah. they're going to play that thing. I mean, I'm curious to see what the SEC does to counter that because that we can all kid ourselves about the Big Ten. They get massive numbers, and when they do the big Saturday night production and make it sort of like NBC does Sunday night football that we all sort of watch that has replaced Monday night as the big night, you know, if, if they do a big Saturday night game and it's Michigan USC or Ohio state, um, Penn state or whatever the case may be, I mean, to think that they're not going to get massive national numbers for those games is naive. And I'm curious to see what the SEC does to counter it. Well, I mean, to, Chase's original question about value. Listen, I'm not saying that I don't think Notre Dame's going to get $60 million because I think that I don't think that number has been reported out of thin air. But let's also look at what NBC would be paying $60 million for. It's not like you get every, you don't get every Notre Dame game. You get every Notre Dame home game. So you're basically, yeah, they play some dog home games, man. Not only that, you're only getting home football games. So $60 million for seven games. And what, at least two or three are going to be dog games. Yeah, like, you're paying eight and a half million a game. You know, is that a, is that a better, like to me, like at least with the big 10, like, you know, UCLA has got some good colors, like, and at least like we're getting every sport. <laughs> uh, I'm, if I'm NBC, I have I mean, I'm not privy to their numbers or the relationship or whatever, but yeah, I mean, do I want Notre Dame? Would I pay more, a lot more, for Notre Dame to be part of the Big Ten? Yeah, for sure. But man, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I know you. Get, well, and you, also the, there's the there's the weird reality of NBC of they're not really in like a lose lose position because I think we all agree if. Notre Dame's hands are forced into going into a conference. It seems likely to me that they're going to the Big Ten. Well, NBC's also got TV deals with the Big Ten. Like, they're probably getting Notre Dame games no matter what. Yeah. I don't know. It's, this is all, I know this is like chessboard season of trying to figure it all out, but there is just still also like this idea of, did y'all uh, did y'all see the athletic college football survey? Not they we haven't they haven't done the re- the results, but they like sent out the questions. No, and so they sent it out last week, and Ali and I were on vacation, and I we're just sitting at the pool, and I'm reading her the questions, and uh, you know we're kind of answering together. But the thing that was like so interesting to me is at the core of all of the questions that were asked was like this idea. Do you still care as much about college football? Mm-hmm. And I do think that's the the interesting aspect. And so, you know, they're trying to identify like, okay, you know, what do you think the biggest issue is? Is it, you know, transfer portal? Is it NIL? Is it conference realignment? I wrote in that what's the most what's the most disheartening thing to me? And like I get it, I understand how the world works. My biggest issue is that I feel like college football in particular, is just being run by TV executives 
and TV executives that don't understand college football. And so because they don't understand it, they're just sitting there going like, well, why don't we just turn it into like, let's get all these big brands and like, let's make it the NFL. It's like, well, if you're trying to make it NFL light, like that's to me, like that's just not going to be a winning formula. But I think that's been kind of the most depressing aspect is that this all feels like it's just being run by, you know, five people in a boardroom. All right, here's the here, here it is real quick. We'll, we'll do it super fast. What is your attitude toward the future of college football? One, very concerned all the way to 10, being very excited. Chase? Uh, three. Jeffrey? I think I was like a four somewhere. We were the same number, same yeah. ballpark. I'm, 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 I'm more of a five. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, all right. What do you think is the biggest issue facing college football? Is it managing rosters, transfer portal, managing name, image, and likeness, conference realignment, lack of parity, or other? The public nature of NIL that makes the casual fan no longer care and no longer donate. Jeffrey? And I, 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 gave, I gave my 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 thing yeah. is like I think it's just being run by TV exactly. But, okay. but I, I think everything that was mentioned has an impact. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC and USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten? One, I hate it. Ten, I love it. In or anywhere in between. Uh, Chase. Uh, seven. I said, I think I said six and a half, seven, something like that, because it's the same thing. It's like, okay, yeah, this can be depressing, but at the same time, it's like, eh, it does result in better games. Yeah. I'm a 10. I love it. Um, how much does your enjoyment of consuming college football now compare to 10 years ago? One, I enjoy it less all the way to 10. I enjoy it more. And obviously anywhere in between chase, uh, four, I think I was a three. So we're like same kind of same numbers. Yeah. I'm about, I'm, I'm, I'm about a four. I, it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm four or five ish. Do you find it difficult or too expensive to access the games you want to watch? Yes or no? Uh, access, no. Yeah, no, I have every stream. Yeah, no, yeah, I have direct no, TV. Right. I got those like explain yourselves like, no, I have direct TV in every streaming service. Should and play- I, have friends, I have friends that live in California so I can get the Pac 12 network. Should players get a share of conference television revenue? Yes or no? No. See, I said yes. I, I have no problem with yes, and I think my answer is yes, but yes is you have to get into... I saw where ESPN, in all of its political correctness yesterday, decided to take Will Kane's comments from a couple of years ago completely out of context, talking about the difference in in, um, in compensation for, for the men's World Cup team as compared to the women's World Cup team. And if we're not willing to be honest about, hey, look, women's soccer makes no revenue. So even though you have some TV money, there's no money produced. You're not going to get anything. Whatever percent of zero is zero, as opposed to football, basketball, and on down. If we can't have that conversation, we're going to open Pandora's box. My answer is no. If we're going to be real and say, hey, this is what makes money. Therefore, there's revenues. We'll figure it out. Cool. I'm in. Otherwise, if we're going to do the silly political correct equity thing, I'm out completely. No, I I acknowledge my answer is complicated, but like when the the question is as simple as do I think that they deserve a share of the TV money? My answer is yes, but I also acknowledge that that means that essentially college sports would have to change their model. But I think they have to do that anyway. 
Would you like to see players become employees of their universities? Yes or no? No. I, I mean, but again, it's like in general, yeah, like, correct. okay, sure. But there's so much more involved in it that it's not feasible. So my answer is no. Yeah, it I makes no sense. Of, I think a lot of how you answer this is like how you view it. Like to me, I took it as I say yes, because I think that that is the necessary steps to. I still think that that's that's how you get this thing under control is you eventually just acknowledge that it's a professional sports league. But I don't think 85 percent of the sports becoming club sports is very likely. So the answer is no, because without doing that, it's impossible. Right. I agree. That's my problem. What is the ideal size of the college football playoff? And your choices are two, four, eight, 12, or more than 12. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with 12. To be clear, I'm fine with 12. I just want everyone to acknowledge that when I was taking bullets in the streets for screaming the BCS worked, <laughs> BCS worked every single year. We named the right champion. And yes, like I, I'm the guy that's going to watch the crap out of the 12 team playoff. The more games you add, the less they mean. And like, this is just this idea that there's going to be 12, like capable champions, like teams well, are worthy. The, no, there's not. We're still going to crown the right champions. This is going to make the end of the regular season more fun. Okay. Exactly. Sure, whatever. Yes. I'm in the minority. I'm for more than 12. I'm for 16. I'm in the vast. I mean, what? If, I'm whatever. Vast minority. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, who's your pick to win the national title in the 2023 season? The options given are Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Florida State, USC, Notre Dame, Clemson, Texas, Washington, Penn State, other. I mean, I'm sticking with Georgia until they lose. I thought about getting cute and taking LSU, but like the to me, the only argument against Georgia is boredom. Who's their yeah. quarterback? Carson Beck, probably. Okay. Just curious. I just yeah. named a national title winner where I don't know their quarterback, which is a little bit of a concern, but sure. I think I think that's kind of the overall point. Okay. <laughs> which power which first year power five coach is most likely to succeed at his new school? I love this question. All right, here we go. Here are the choices. I know we got to hustle because we're, we're almost out of time. Kenny Dillingham, Arizona State. Hugh Freeze, Auburn. Scott Satterfield, Cincinnati. Deion Sanders, Colorado. Brent Key, Georgia Tech. Jeff Brom, Louisville. Zach Arnett, uh, Mississippi State. Matt Rule, Nebraska. Ryan Walters, Purdue. Troy Taylor, Stanford. Or Luke Fickle, Wisconsin. Uh, Jeff Brom at Louisville because they're going to be favored in almost every game. I said this. I said Matt Rule. Uh, me too. And I know the NFL thing didn't work. The NFL thing didn't work for Nick Saban either. Like, Matt Rule's a proven commodity as a college football coach. And it's not like at Nebraska, like, they've been worn down. Like, he doesn't have to go. He doesn't have to, like, be a national title contender. Essentially, if he just gets back to the level of Bo Pelini, he's going to be successful. They have so much money, too. They got but now this is year fun. one. This is not career. Yeah. This is one year. Uh, no, it just says most likely to succeed. Oh, I thought it meant year one. Okay. Yeah. I'll go that there. The, him or uh, the guy at Wisconsin. All right. See, we, I, I, I want a short fickle stock. Okay. Yeah. I, Fickle's hiring of Phil Longo bothered me. Uh, which me first year Power Five head coach is least likely to succeed at his new school? Same list. <sighs> I mean, 
Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Okay, okay. sure. I said Hugh. Really? Oh. Yeah. I I don't okay. think the, I don't think the Auburn job. I do not think the Auburn job is. I think the expectations of the Auburn job are not realistic. And I know everyone can do that. Well, every fan expectations like, no, I think they're completely out of sorts. Georgia is operating at a level that we've never seen Georgia operate at. Alabama, while maybe not operating at peak efficiency, like height of the dynasty, they're still operating pretty damn well. And that's who you're going up against day after day. I do not think that he has a schematic advantage anymore. And I, I just think that given his nature, I think if a few things start going the wrong way, I think it's really easy to cut bait with you freeze. I mean, I can't argue anything that you just said. Um, no. I, I, I will say Troy Taylor at Stanford is my pick to not okay, succeed. Sure. That's um, yeah. If you, and whoever the new, whoever the new Northwestern coach is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, All right. Final, uh, final question. Are you rooting for Deion Sanders to succeed or fail at Colorado? I'll go first. Uh, yeah. I'm rooting for I'm rooting for him to succeed, and the biggest reason I'm rooting for him to succeed is like I'm a big believer in variety, and to act as if like he doesn't add some type of interest or entertainment value is like so disingenuous and honestly probably dishonest. So I'm rooting for him to succeed because I, I think it's fun. I, I'm with you totally. I'm, I want him to succeed in large part because I get so annoyed at the people that act like being a college football head coach yes. is, is 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 trying to figure out some complex chemistry equation. It's not. It's about getting really good players, as many of them as you can get, and playing a football game. I think my lack of an answer is proving y'all's point because I'm going to have a week where I really pull for him and a week where I really want him to lose. And that's kind of the point is that it's going to be different. It's going to be kind of moving around. It's going to be interesting. I'm going to get really tired of him at one point, And I'm also going to go, yeah, I want you to beat that guy's ass because that school drives me insane with being as traditional as this is the way you have to do whatever you're doing. Rule number one of Vince McMahon. Everything is wrestling. Like In the end, the worst thing that you can be is something that we don't care about. Love it, hate it. Like, that's the best. Like, when you've got someone that everyone feels something about, that gives you something to watch. It's like when I was a columnist back in the day. The worst thing I could do as writing a column was to write a column where people read it and went, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I wanted people to read that column and go, damn right, or this guy's an idiot. And then they're talking about it. If, if, I, got, if I raised your blood pressure, I did my job. Why? Good or bad. How many columnists of the year awards do we got? Was it like three? I did okay. That's I, what I'm saying. I, I had my moments. Yeah. yeah. I wrote one that people still talk about 17 years later. So I, I, that one clearly struck a nerve. It's fair. Jeffrey, enjoyed it, bud. Have a good day. All right, guys. Be good. See you, buddy. Jeffrey Wright joining us there on the My Perfect Franchise hotline. Um, stuff today. College football stuff and uh, and more Little uh, news and notes going around. Uh, former Ole Miss baseball player T.J. McCants has committed to the University of Alabama. Will be there um, with the Crimson Tide. I it's good for T.J. Glad he's getting an opportunity. I, I kind of hated it for him because he wanted to go pro. He wanted a deal, even if it was a free agent. So clearly that didn't happen. The timing would also make sense on that being the case because he uh, 
committed right there following the uh, the draft and when a lot of free agent stuff was kind of starting to pop. So um, we'll see what uh, what he looks like in Tuscaloosa for his fourth year of college baseball next year. Um, then uh, right after the show yesterday, Xavier Rivas, Ole Miss left-hander, told me that he will be back this season for, uh, for Ole Miss. So that gives them one of their three weekend starters. I, I don't know that Friday is the best spot for him, but I think there's definitely some jumps to be made. I think he can be a very, very effective and successful Saturday-Sunday arm for the Rebels here in uh in 2024. So that's uh that's going on there with uh with that. We didn't talk about it, Millen. We really haven't watched much of it, it at all, but did the uh did the American Eubanks attract any of your attention from Wimbledon while he was uh running through it? Um uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So the answer I do is not. No. no, I I have not gotten into Wimbledon. Um just I don't know what I've done, but I haven't watched Wimbledon. I'm not sure what I've watched. But I did not watch. What what have I done this week? I, look, I'm in full disclosure. I, there's my family life is is right now consuming some stuff with me, and so I, I'm I'm. There have been nights, including last night, where other than a little bit of the Thunder summer league game, I didn't see anything. But I didn't watch the Major League All Star game. I haven't watched Wimbledon, and these are things that I normally watch. And so so I'm starting to get concerned for myself. Um, a 27-year-old journeyman from Atlanta uh, made the quarterfinals of Wimbledon um, before losing in five sets to Medvedev yesterday. So, uh, yeah, just had run through it a little bit. It's been a pretty neat story. Very, very athletic guy. Kind of had to deal with some some confidence thing. Couldn't really put it all together, but he's had a hell of a run there in, uh, in Wimbledon heading into the hard court season. So, some some hope. How's, how's my guy from um, France, the, the one that – Loses his mind and and, and here goes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he's up to. I don't know how that went. Yeah, I'm he not, didn't, he I'm didn't not. play. Uh, I I just don't know. Yeah, I I did not. I, I I'm not sure the answer to that question. I don't know what he's got going on. Uh, I, I when does when does Major League Baseball resume? Is it tomorrow? Is it tomorrow? Right. They have another day off. I don't know. I'm 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 telling you, I've got to like fix something in my head. I'm I'm. I've been sort of consumed. Uh, yes, tomorrow, July 14th. Okay. The White Sox are in Atlanta at 6.20 p.m. I like the Braves' chances. Yeah. Okay. Braves, Braves are really good. White Sox are not really good. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking when I was talking to that White Sox podcast guy last, the other day about the old Miss guys. I was like, hey, I was like, I actually wouldn't get you on. We'll talk some some baseball stuff. We'll do a podcast segment or whatever. And he's like, yeah, great. We're looking at schedules. And he goes, okay, well, the Braves are going to kick the hell out of us this weekend. Let's see. Play the Mets next week. He's like, let's do it during that three-game set. He's like, I'll need something to talk about. And I was like, okay, fair enough. We'll we'll do that while the White Sox and the, and the Mets are, are, are playing ball during that. But yeah, I, I have not watched much Wimbledon either, honestly. I mean, I kept up with Eubanks a little bit as he got going because I thought it was kind of fun. Uh, they're into the semis now. I did – you should find this clip yesterday. Is a reporter uh, – and, I, I mean, he knew the answer because it was a duh, and I don't even really know the basis of the question. So maybe I missed something as far as there was a question before this that led into some reason for this follow-up because I don't really know how we got here in, in the in the point of this exchange. But he asked Djokovic if he felt like he was the favorite moving forward in the rest of the tournament. And I mean Djokovic doesn't lose. So yes, I absolutely feel like that is that is the the case and the favorite. And 
he judge but Djokovic kind of looked at him and he's like well I mean I don't want to sound arrogant but I mean I think the stats would say that yeah I probably am the the, the, the favorite the rest of the way kind of is what it is but it, it put him in a really tough spot because he wasn't gonna lie but he was kind of like why are you asking this you're making me say something I really don't want to say I'm trying to be really nice right now but you're 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 not allowing that so stop like it was it was funny to me I don't know just I like I like Djokovic I yeah, mean, he was really cracking me up. He, he could really, really he could really be an arrogant jackass because he's that good. And instead, he tries to be as humble as you can be for someone who never loses. I guess it was the I guess the point was that he's not he's not the one seed. You know, he's the two seed. Oh, so it was like you know, even though you're not whatever, it's like okay. I mean, you know, feel pretty confident that most people the betting favorite would be would be Djokovic the rest of the way. I mean, think about that. He's so good that you don't even really think about it. If you go, hey, you can take Djokovic or the field. You're like, I'll just take Djokovic. So, oh, there's not even a doubt. Yeah, you know, and that's how that's how good he is that you're like, okay, you could have Djokovic, you can have these 63 other people. Nah, I'll just take him. He plays Yannick Center in the semis uh, at 7.30 tomorrow morning. Uh, the other semi, Carlos Alcaraz, who's the one seed, and uh, Medvedev, the three. So those are who's uh, remaining there in the... Uh, in the men's side of things, I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll tease this for for Monday because um, we're pretty close to the end. There's no reason going to this, but Bill Barnwell, if you wanted some homework over the weekend, all of our podcast listeners has a really interesting story on ESPN this morning about the death of the running back, reasons for it, why oh. they're not getting paid. He's talking about uh, in the NFL, he bases a lot of stuff around the fact that Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, all cut or not re-signed for different reasons, not getting picked up, not getting the cash. And my thesis on this, and I wonder if you're already seeing it, this would be something for people that cover recruiting more than you do too, but especially more than me, because you do way more than I do, is are we in a spot where younger guys are going to stop being running backs? Running backs going to stop being that high-profile position. Everybody goes, hey, I want the rock. Are you better off being a linebacker? Moving forward, do you have some changes? Does the running back position in general at a high school recruit level change? Because you're still a high school star, but it's not getting you paid. You're out of the league, and once you turn like 27, it's kind of a death knell that nobody wants to pay you because they know what's coming. So the question would be, for what we do, it's probably a way to kind of sort of get this answer, although people would be reluctant to really give you the answer. But the question would be, from an NIL perspective, what does the five-star running back get as opposed to the five-star defensive end? And if what percentage of your budget goes to your running back room as opposed to other rooms, like at Ole Miss, I don't think it's a secret that Quinshawn Judkins is the highest paid player on the team. Sure. I wonder if an NFL guy would look at Ole Miss's a lot position overall, yeah. yeah, yeah, and go. Oh, you're 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 over investing there. You would be better off taking that money and buying two players who play this yeah. and this. Or does it take a talent such as Judkins, and it's like, okay, that's justified, but anything less on a talent level, do not do it. Don't do that. Don't pay that guy. Yeah, it's more than fair. Like, <clears throat> oh, this is an interesting thought exercise. It's actually something to think about. It it's. Look around the league. Who who's 
who's the bell cow at Georgia? Who's the bell cow at Alabama? Who's the bell cow at LSU? Who's the 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 guy at at Texas A and M? Or do they do it more by committee? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you you say to people, hey, who are the two best running backs in the SEC? And I think everyone would say, oh, it's Quinshawn Judkins and Raheem Sanders. Yet no one's really picking Ole Miss or Arkansas to win the the West. Well, I mean, and look, you know, Texas A&M, A-Chain was one hell of a running back, but he did not necessarily dictate games. Damn good. Damn good. But yeah, you know, no, he's I don't think the wins above replacement was anything crazy. I mean, this is going to this is gratuitous a little bit and having some fun with you, but Vanderbilt's had some really good running backs. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it done for them? Nothing. You know, I mean, Ole Miss had Dexter McCluster, who was terrific. They had Deuce McAllister, who was absolutely phenomenal. Had a, went on to have a great NFL career. That didn't win championships. And I actually, you know, Dexter is probably a really, really good example because I do think when they made that switch, he was an incredibly effective and statistically wins above replacement person because of the multiple ways they used him too. You know what I mean? Yeah. That wasn't necessarily, Hey, a, you know, a, a Ben Jarvis green Ellis, we're just going to turn around and hand you the rock. And look, it's, it's, it's back to your thing with whoever it was, was it Hugh all back in the day, the offensive line matters so much when it comes to a running back and your scheme and so many other things. And it's not an independent metric the way, in some ways a quarterback is, but especially like a pitcher would be or something from another sport as you try to analyze it and go and cross-pollinate it. So I I, I don't know. I just find it, I find it really interesting because yeah, I think there are certain people and ways and things that get you into those, those metric spots. But in general, we probably overvalue and overpay running backs. And I think Barnwell's seeing that because the NFL trickles down. So whatever's going on in the NFL is eventually going to happen here too. Well, the fact that if I say New York giants to you, Name association, current New York Giants. You should go Saquon Barkley. Sure. And Saquon Barkley's right now holding out because the Giants are like, we're not paying you what you think mm-hmm. you're worth because we don't think you're worth it. Mm-hmm. And, and and 10 years ago, the Giants would have made him the franchise guy and given him 30-something million. And now they're like, no, we can replace you. Even though our quarterback's not elite, he's harder to replace, and therefore we're going to pay him. We think we can replace you, maybe with mm-hmm. two people, but whatever, you know. Ezekiel Elliott wanted to get big money. He wanted to go to the Ravens or the Bengals or whatever, but he wanted to be paid like 10 years ago, Ezekiel Elliott. And those teams are like, no, nah, no, nah, I mean, we'll give you the NFL minimum, but yeah, that's we're, not not giving, anymore. We're, we're not giving you that. We can, I, I can go find 30 of you. Yeah. But, you know, Mahomes and Burrow and all those guys get $60 million a year because why? Because they're not replaceable. Yeah, I thought it pretty interesting. Go read it, Bill Barnwell, again. He's got reasons why. He's got, should this be the case? Is the NFL going too far? There's a lot of different subheads. We'll, we'll analyze it. We'll convert it to the college game uh, at some point here. So we've kind of got stuff going on. SEC Media Days next week. So uh, shows will be a little all over the place as far as uh, content. But you will get your regular number of shows um, next week for that as well. We're getting pretty close to uh, preseason camp starting, actually. We're yeah, three there's weeks some, away. There's so, some football so. preview stuff out. I did a, a Big 12 preview yesterday. Uh, Aaron Dickens covers Texas Tech for Rivals was my uh, was my guest. That's up where you uh, listen to podcast. I did a Big 10 preview, which will double as hand-raised guys tonight. Matthew Stevens covers Illinois for IlliniGuys.com. We talked a lot about the Northwestern thing. We talked about Michigan, Ohio State. All of that stuff. So if you are jonesing for some football, there's Big 12, there's Big 10. Uh, that'll be out 
in uh, video form tonight. It'll be in podcast form early tomorrow. Chase has the file. And then um, I'm heading to Nashville uh, sometime this weekend. I'll be there on Monday morning. I think you and Brian are doing Monday show. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Uh, yeah, that's, they're doing Monday show. Then I'll be uh, joining on Tuesday from Nashville. And like Chase said, we, probably the schedule will be a little different. Lane Kiffin goes at 9 a.m. on Thursday. So we'll do something Thursday after mm-hmm. uh, Ole Miss has done the rotations and get that to you. And um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting week as the the focus fully shifts to football starting on Monday. Yep. Henry's guys tonight and then in the morning. Thanks to Jeffrey for his time today. Rebelgrove.com in the meantime, as uh, oh, some portal stuff happening here in the next few days as Ole Miss still looks to put its roster together for 2023-2024 in baseball. And then we didn't mention it, uh, several different reports out from contracts that Ole Miss will play Cal in uh, basketball in San Antonio this season, part of a uh, at least two games that day. There might be other teams involved as well, but I know Tennessee is there playing someone, and then Ole Miss NC and State. Cal. Okay, NC State, then Ole Miss and Cal as uh, as well. So that's going on. Back with you soon. Take care. Have a good day. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.